Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the My Movie DNA podcast. My name is Johnny Andrews, I'm a movie-loving Englishman, and I'm coming to you from Auckland, New Zealand. Thank you for tuning in. My guest for this episode is Stuart Buchanan, an award-winning artist born and raised in Glasgow. Today, Stuart lives in Catiline, an old fishing village in the northeast of Scotland, where he paints from his studio overlooking the North Sea. Stuart's work is quite well known in the British art scene, so a quick Google search will show you some great examples of his style. Lots of peaceful, solitary figures standing in serene and bewitching landscapes. Go and have a look. This conversation was recorded online in late August of 2023. We cover Star Wars, Quentin Tarantino and the Rocky films. We talk at length about two gems of British film history, Local Hero and With Nail and I. And we discuss the excitement of putting on an impromptu arts festival in the former Soviet state of Georgia with Vanessa Redgrave. Okay, here we go. Recording in progress. Hello. Hello. Johnny, hi. Hello, how are you? I'm good. And we're on, we're on. We're on. <laughs> Don't press anything. I'm not, I don't know, I'll just tilt this round so I'm not in the glare of the minimal sun that we're getting here in Scotland. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought when we might... Six, six, 6.30 in the morning in, in New Zealand. It is, Auckland, yeah. Right? <laughs> oh. It's a little bit early, yeah. Yeah. I'm on my... Se- to the grades. I, I, I'm I figure a- you've got like a, like something lined up for the kids Saturday morning or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After this, yeah. Yeah, usually Saturday is my time to like take the kids out and give my wife a break. So, uh, yeah, that'll, that'll, I might have a little uh, nap though before I do that. <laughs> okay. It's a bit early for you, I guess. But it's, so it's, it's Friday night here. So, uh, chin chin. Of course, yeah. Oh, what are you drinking? It's just a leftover wine from the, uh, the the Italians flavored bolognese. But this is this is the drink of choice. Nice. Pills. I don't know if you get that down down under, but. Uh, it's the best um, value, tasty beer that you'll get here. What about yourself? Is that a cup of tea you've got? Yeah, uh, coffee. It's my second coffee of the morning. So it's very nice to speak to you. We've known each other for a few years now, but I don't think we've ever spoke before. And so this is uh, this is this is one of these um, Facebook uh, friendships. <laughs> yeah, it goes beyond the groups. Yeah, it I does. like that. Yeah, yeah, it's real. This is real. <laughs> And and so this is my podcast about movies, but I, I really wanted to speak to you because uh, I think you're the only artist friend I have, and you are a proper artist. Like that's that's your your day job. That's that's my day job. Yeah, I spent the day in the studio today. Nice. Did you paint anything? Yeah, I well today this Friday was the um, the end of the first week of uh, my youngest going back to school. And so um, over the summer holidays, I generally tend to take some time off from the studio. And like when they go back to school, I go back to work. And uh, well, you'll know that being a, you know, being a dad yourself, like, you know, you have to sort of, you know, when it's downtime, it's downtime. So like, you know, that, but my, my eldest daughter has left school now. She's 18. She's away traveling in Europe just now. But her sister, Lily, she's just gone back to school this week. And so it's the end of the summer for her. And it's back to work for me, which I actually always enjoy. I, man- I did manage to get back into the studio uh, over the summer because they're, they're they're sort of like you know she's in her mid-teens now, so they sleep in the morning. So it's like it's not the whole summer off, you know. I still get yeah. along there and do um, 
do bits and pieces. So you're not going in. So it's first week back. I'm not going in cold. I'm kind of like, uh, I'm kind of. And next week, I really have to hit the ground running. Commitments, commissions. Oh, really? Gallery commitments, that kind of thing. So you know. Yep, yep. And can you tell us where in the world you are? I'm up in uh, at my studio. I live in the northeast of Scotland, and uh, my studio is in an old. Uh, customs and excise watch house cottage overlooking the North Sea. Wow! So it's a really, um, it's a really dramatic location. It's a really, uh, um, sort of like uh, I mean, it's it, it's beautifully sort of like uh, it's really photogenic. I mean, it's, it's a cottage that sits in a headland. It looks over the North Sea up in Aberdeenshire, and um, you know they, they would. It, it was built for the for the purpose of uh, trying to spot smugglers oh, wow. uh, on, on the North Sea. Nice. You know, I mean, so like it's a, as it's a good history. The building's 250 years old. What would they have been? been a studio. Of, what would they have been sorry, smuggling? Contraband, to, uh, you know, tax dodging on, nice. uh, <laughs> on, 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 on brandy and the mm. like, you know? So uh, because of the nature of the, the coast with all these little, uh, it's got little, it's not like the West Coast, which is mountainous and sea lochs. It's a fairly straight coast, but like there's lots of little uh, little inlets, so they're able to sort of like land from deep water. So it was brandy, cognac. Nice. Just basically trying to evade the excise on on booze and, and I guess other stuff, you know, as well. Yeah, and it's is it Cataline where you live? Cataline is the name of the village that we live in. Nice. Yeah. It's, uh, just it's, it's an old fishing village. It looks to me uh, like you know, just, a local hero, that type of uh, place. Oh, funny you should mention that. That's, that's, in, that's in my list. Oh, nice, that, nice, that's, nice. That's, that's in the perfect films. That's that's actually not far away from us. It's about an, uh, an hour and a half up the road is the village of Pennon, where it's set. Yep. Although it's a sort of fictional West Coast village, uh, you know, it, 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 or at least it's suggested that it's up in the northwest, but it's actually an east coast village that it was filmed in, which is the village of Pennon, and uh, that's about. We 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 just spent a week up there in the summer, uh, about I don't know, twenty minutes away from Pennon. It's nice up here. I mean, really, they're they're kind of they're they're, they're all the east coast fishing villages. They're kind of like, they're, I mean, they're obviously not fishing villages anymore, but they're they're, they're not. Um, they're kind of remote in a sense that uh, they're not. Uh, they're beyond. They're off the beaten track. Places yeah. like Penn and where where local heroes was, was filmed, and uh, and of course the the, the the I mean like there's a, you know as, as as you well know there's a lot of sort of like um, you know um, like uh, film location tourism, and uh, so, so Penn is certainly on that. I think it's this this is the fortieth anniversary this year oh, nice. of local heroes. So that so there was a. There was a bit of a festival uh, around that, uh, along that coastline, Banff and Buchan, Pennon, which is where that area is. Um, and, uh, the, you know, like it was celebrated, uh, and rightly so, you know, as a sort of like, because, I mean, you go down to Pennon and it just, it's, I mean, it's unchanged. It looks exactly like it did, does in the film. You know, the red phone box is there. That's the sort of like, that's the primo sort of yep. like location in the and, and and I've got local hero here. It's, it's on my list. It's funny you shouldn't mention. Nice, that, right? nice. It's on my list. So, on my list just to talk about your art for a second. So, I, when I look you up on Google, Google knows who you are, which means that you are somebody. Yes. 
says Stuart yes, B- I'm all over the in- all over the internet. Stuart Buchanan is a leading name within the contemporary Scottish art scene, hailing from Glasgow, where he studied fine art drawing and painting at the Glasgow School of Art. He works mainly with oils to create solitary figures in richly textured and colourful landscapes, both on board and Hessian. Nice. That's, yeah, that's that's the press press release. I mean, I kind of it's kind of homogenized uh, the the homogenized the kind of like uh, you have to sort of like have. So I, I show and I mean I show quite widely in, in the UK um, in, in in several galleries in Scotland and several galleries in England, and uh, you do have this kind of um, you, you know like so you have to you have to be sort of like you know fairly. They're they're all after the same thing, and you know, like I've been doing it long enough for that. Like the the, the patents that I make are, uh, you know, they're, 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 after I mean after I mean I have lived I have lived the life of the broke artist for long yeah. enough. But after a while, it did uh, did begin to get a bit of traction, and you did, and I make a, a reasonable living at it now. And it's kind of, you know, like. You, you want to give there, there there are paintings that I make that are popular and and, and you just you, you need to just the galleries are after a sort of like you know a sort of continuation of that in terms of like um, so the, the you know like you, they take a long while to work out how to make paintings that the galleries would want mm-hmm. and then then and then for the galleries to start selling it but I always knew that you know. I graduated from art school, the prestigious Glasgow School of Art, in 1992, and I always knew it would take. I mean, I, it took took me a while to. I always knew what I, I wanted to continue doing it, but it, I, it would, that it would take a while to sort of um, bear fruit, and it, it did take a while. It took a long time. I, did, I had to work in work in bars, and you know, like yeah. yeah. I've been I've been skint for a long enough yeah, yeah, in my yeah. adult life, but like now and now, but it was always going to be a long game, and 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 it does begin to bear fruit after a while if you stick to your guns and you know, like, and uh, and that, that's the way it's worked out, you know. So. Nice, and I do love your art. When whenever you do post it on like Instagram and and such, where does where does all the solitariness come from? Have you have you spoken to a psychiatrist? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think a lot of that comes down to. Uh, it's, it's a really solitary um, profession. I mean, you're on your own. I mean, yeah. like I was, but I mean, I mean, I'm, there's me back in the studio this week. I mean, I, I love it. I love that. I love that solitary. I mean, occasionally, I mean, like today, there's a couple of folk came along. Just like I heard somebody walking around the building going, "It looks abandoned," and I was <laughs> like, "That's yeah, stuff." And then when they looked through the window, they saw me. And I'm waving back at him, and he was like, "I don't know who he got up right." He's like, "Oh, there's a man in there." <laughs> it's <laughs> so, a ghost. But um, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, I mean, you need. I think you need to be solitary to to find you. Uh, you, you need. I mean, like I, I, prior to to living up here, when we li- I, I lived in Glasgow, I worked in a studio complex surrounded by other artists. You know, sort of like loft spaces. It was really good. It was a really nice sort of like social time. And, um, and you're also sort of bouncing off other artists' ideas and enjoying the sort of camaraderie mm-hmm. of a sort of studio complex. But when we moved here, I was in my mid-30s. I think you're ready for that sort of like a sort of... And again, when we moved here, I wasn't quite uh, in that sort of like a vein of sort of like a showing and selling that I am now. So you need to find your own... You find your own furrow and just sort of like continue to sort of like try and plough it, you know? And yeah. That's that's I I mean it's a solitary profession and and, and no, only I can work out my problems in the studio and only I can come up with the goods that you know like 
I then put out. I mean, and, and I think that's it's, it comes down to that sort of individual sort of input and yeah, and, and and I like that. You know, I mean, I've, I I mean, in the studio, it, there's there's no power in the studio. Otherwise, I might have a record player there. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interfere with work a lot, but um, <laughs> I would. Uh, I, I I so like uh, it's all, I've only recently gone into Spotify. So like, um, yeah. but, but I find that really weird. This kind of idea that you can have like choose anything, and I find that really difficult. Whereas when you're sitting there with, like, I think I'm going to listen to some jazz. I've got the jazz section of a record player, record uh, collection. I, you know, pick and choose some jazz records, or heavy metal records, or whatever. But like when you've got this sort of like unlimited um, choice, I find it really difficult to choose. Yeah. End up, end up listening to like Taylor Swift and <laughs> stuff like that. Things, like, things that I want. Ah, this just. And, and then I listen to it for like 20 minutes and I go, oh, I'm going to listen to some Post Malone. Yeah. And then I go, what am I listening to this for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more difficult than choosing a record. But I've, I've finding your way through Spotify. I've heard that before around like supermarkets when they put like too many choices of like breakfast cereals. Like it's too yeah. much. Like when West restaurants have like too many things on the menu, people don't order because yeah. it's just too overwhelming. Yeah, just bring it back. Narrow it down. It's much easier. Yep. to make, make make better choices. I think. So we should probably explain how we met. So I think we probably met about five or six years ago, ish, maybe, online. Probably longer than that, but it was definitely think... from the from the turntable page. That yes, you, that you're the admin. Or... Yeah. So I I I'm an admin for a for a record group called On the Turntable right now, and then I think at one point. Maybe I posted a with Nell and I record or something like we, that. We, 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 we crossed over. We did. And you, you when, said. When, when, when we became, when we discovered I was the admin on a with mail page. Yeah. And that's called. A friend of mine set up. Oh, right. Okay. I thought that, I thought that was that you said. There's that. a few, there's a few of very similar sounding pages, but yeah, the with Nell and I appreciation group was a, a pal of mine from school that set that up. Yeah. The with Nell and I appreciation, appreciation society, yeah. which, uh, even though I've been, that was a crossover right there. Yeah, even though I've been a member of that group now for like, however long it's been, ten years possibly, I don't know. Uh, I still find it so funny every day. I mean, it's it's the it's the one group that you know does provide uh, laughter. The funny thing is, I mean, and and, and you'll understand this, like uh, with your like be, being an admin on the turntable page. I because my friend had set it up, there was so much. There's so much that you have to filter out. Yeah, and uh, I, the, I, um, I used to message my friend and say, "You've got to do something about this, this stuff." The folk posting Nazi stuff and yeah. stuff like that, and he said, "Listen, I'm going to bring you on board. You're on it. You can see it. You, you filter it out. You know, if I make you an admin, I'll be there." So that's when I became an admin. I mean, even today, you know, like there's stuff. I mean, it's stuff. Sometimes stuff's alert is alerted because it's been reported by other members of the group or whatever. And you know, we live in a very sensitive kind of like. Yep. Well, oddly sensitive internet world or whatever at the moment. But the stuff I just see and I just go, uh-uh. That's, that's, I mean, what? And I'm not for throwing these folk off the group, but if they do it often enough, I do. Yeah. It's just like, no, 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 it's no, but they, you know, just people just put up the worst kind of like homophobic, sexist, Nazis, you can imagine. You just be, and I'm not going to like be there going, this is your second warning. I'm just like, nah. That's yeah. It. That's what, that's the, that's the approach I take. To those people, I say, "How dare you!" Yeah. Oh, you've got a button for that. I do have a button <laughs> yeah. for that. I'll use that if you if you uh, if you uh, insult me. I can say that. 
How dare you? That's <laughs> So, so needless to say, Wivnail is up there in the uh, in a, in I, a top five. Yeah, I thought we might get get to that at some point. Uh, so we're going to talk to you all about your favourite movies. The one question yeah. I didn't send you was, which was the last movie that you watched? Which was the last movie that I watched? Now, I must have watched one last week. Uh, let me come back to that because mm. I, have to, I have to think about that. Okay. Because I can't remember what I had for lunch. Oh, no, I didn't have a beef sandwich. <laughs> Um, um, All right. We'll, we'll it would have it would have been it would have been something on Netflix. Yep. And it would have been uh, yeah. It, so I kind of I kind of watched quite a lot on Netflix. So like you know, um, the last the last thing I watched on on the computer was the new uh, Star Wars uh, series on Disney. Oh, the, the uh, As- Ahsoka, which, which which has been panned. Really. But I actually really liked it. Yeah. I really liked it. I'm a big Star Wars fan. And I like the whole Star Wars universe. And I've, I have found a lot of the the, the, the the Disney things a bit lacking. or yeah. You know, like the Obi-Wan one or the Mandalorian one. Uh, they've all had high points and low points. But first, when this, I watched the Ahsoka one when I saw that it had dropped. And I just thought, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, thought it was really good. I I do like the universe, but I do struggle to keep up because there's just so much now. It's content, isn't it? That's what that's what they produce. I think it is. I think it's, there is a there is a there's quantity. But then I think uh, I mean, as I was saying to my brother, because because he likes it all as well, and I messaged him because I I'd read a couple of the books, which have obviously been written, mm-hmm. you know, like in the last ten or twenty years, or whatever, and and they do have a sort of like general sort of. This 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 seemed to be this series seemed to, uh, the this first episode of this seemed to be a lot of uh, the sort of touch points of the books like uh, the empire's defeated it, it starts to regroup and yeah but but I, I mean like you know I, I I mean I quite like all the banal stuff I mean like a lot of the criticism that I read before I even watched it was like a well it's lifeless it's it's what I I, I didn't find that I, I kind of like the look of I like the sort of industrial look of all these places yeah. like you know. Karelian starship planet mm. building place. Oh, I kind of like all that, you know. And um, and and I think the touch. I mean, I think obviously the movies. I mean, I think the the one this the movie Solo was um, it was panned as well. But I actually really liked it. Right. I don't know. I don't know if it's to do with filling in blanks in the story that you've already the things that have been hinted at in in uh, in 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 the movies. You know, like. You know, like uh, like in uh, a lot of the backstories, like Boba, uh, uh, yeah, like uh, the, the, the what they call the huts and stuff like oh, that, yeah, and the, yeah. the sand people. And I quite like hearing because <laughs> you're familiar with them from the movies, and then yeah. you're getting a bit of a backstory. I'm all right with that. Oh, I'm wearing this in your honor. Oh, nice, nice Aerosmith t-shirt. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm wearing this in your honor. Nice. So, like, I've got to, I've got to wear that for Johnny because I know that you're a big Aerosmith fan. I am. That, and I know that through, um, yeah, the, our, 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 yeah. Our I, I have a love hate, lo- love hate relationship with Aerosmith. So they were the first band I ever got into, and still now they're the the band I've got the most records of. I've got you know over fifty 
uh, LPs. And I don't know if you've been following this, but you know, there's obviously with their career, there's there's two like main uh, eras: the, the the original Columbia era and then the Geffen era. And about five years ago, they signed a deal with Universal that brought everything into one umbrella. And I thought, oh, this is great. They're gonna like release lots of like, you know, deleted stuff and alternate takes and bonus stuff. And uh, we did get something like that a couple of years ago, but they've just released a huge box set and it's just another compilation. It's just another greatest hits. It's like, you know. Yeah, I, did, I, saw, I saw you, I saw you posted your disappointment with that. And, yeah. I, and I guess, I, yeah, that, I mean, maybe that rest of the stuff will come. I mean, they're just, yeah. it's just maybe just like. Hopefully. Pure sort of like, uh, you know, it's just, I, I know greatest hits after greatest hits. It's a funny thing. I, I tend to, I tend to avoid trying to buy compilations when of, you know, and I'm more into sort of like studio releases. Yeah. Yeah, because I think you've got to, I mean, I think that's the thing with them, you know, like if you go into Spotify and just put an artist name and you just get the greatest hits. Yeah. But then as you, as you and I are sort of like more sort of like album guys, we're yeah. sort of like, we're just trying to mine the deep cuts and stuff like that, you yeah. know. And, and you're a big Lizzie. My, my, do you know my, my, my just a, a point, you probably know this from yep. the turntable group, but like uh, that, that my entry point to Aerosmith was done with Mirrors as a sort of standalone album. I'd heard about this band as a sort of like young heavy metal fan and this big influence and all these sort of bands that we were listening to. And uh, and then uh, Done With Mirrors dropped, I think in maybe 85. Yep, perfect. Yep. Wrong. Right about then. And uh, I just thought, yeah, it's just this, it's a real sort of under the radar album. It it's is. Sort of like, a sort of like a, a sort of a comeback with without much fanfare, but yep. like a real sort of like banger. I really like it. It's just, and again, I think I had this conversation with somebody the other day. It's like I think your entry point is really important. I mean, like uh, the, the 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 album that gets you into a band, it, whenever that is, is 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 the, is the one that you take with you throughout. Yep. You yep. know, I mean, like I mean, I like you know. I mean, you can get into, you know, like if you, you know, if you get into a band like Aerosmith, like, you know, like that would have been like a midway point, you know, so your Columbia stuff's all past. I didn't, I didn't know their early stuff. Yeah, yeah. Until you start getting into it, you know, and then, and then you look back and and that's like with a few, but, but that, but that entry point always stays with you, I think, you know. Yeah. I've got a lot of love for uh, Done With Mirrors. It's got a lot of charm. That's the thing I'd say. It's, you know, it's underproduced. Yeah, I don't but, think they were uh, trying to be anything other than yeah. who they were. I think that's yeah. just, it's a sort of like a, you know they were I, I mean and they were trying to find themselves in a sort of like new era so they just yeah. thought well this is what we do and it's bang and i think yeah that's that's fine you know it's good i mean then then like what when permanent vacation came out it was like a it was like a real sort of statement sort of like you know piece but uh it's not done with mirrors but like but done with mirrors is the is the bedrock to all that comes after it you know as a band, the sound and whatnot, you know. But like, I do like permanent. I love permanent vacation. Yeah. The production is just like a sort of massive Banger. sounding. Oh, is that is that a is that a Bruce Fairbairn? Like? Yes. Yeah. And it's just like this, you know, like drums are like <laughs> massive sounding record, you know. Yeah, I gotta love it, man. So yeah, Aerosmith for you, boy. So, what was your earliest movie memory? Earliest movie memories. Um, this is a bit of a double whammy, but like uh, the um, going to the cinema in the south side of Glasgow for the Saturday morning matinees. Wow! And we would have been chucked into this would have, so this would have been about early seventies, maybe you know like seventy three, seventy four that kind of year. Um, 
and they would have these like black and white shorts, champion the wonder horse. And I would go with my dad with my brothers, and he would just drop us. He would take us into the cinema, and I don't know if he just went for a cigarette and a, and a, and a walk around the block or whatever. But yeah, we'd just yeah. be left at the cinema for an hour, and then. <laughs> So that was just like, but that would be when you had like, you know, like a cinema every, you know, like every mile into yeah. town, there would be another cinema in the corner. And uh, and, and that was, my, so that was my early sort of like earliest cinema memories. But like uh, my earliest cinematic experience memories would have been Star Wars yeah. with my dad and my brothers, Bond movies. Most notably, the one I can remember most would have been um, oh, um, Spy Who Loved Me. Spy Who Loved Me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. Nail on Head, yeah, that was it. I'm just thinking because um, you're 1970. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, seven years old when Star Wars and, and uh, yeah, Spy Who yeah. Loved Me hit. Which, I mean, like, I remember queuing, queuing around the block to get in. Yeah. Like, everyone did. It was being the, uh, in the city centre in Glasgow. And, you know, like, it, 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 this was a, sort of an event. You know, you had to go there, and and my sort of abiding memory of primary school is drawing X wings and Tie fighters nice. and pew, 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 pew things. You know what I mean? It's like it's totally sort of like all over your jotters. That's I sort of missed. Star. I missed Star Wars because I was just I was born in seventy eight, and I think the first one my parents took me to was Return of the Jedi in eighty three. So I missed the whole buzz of Star Wars. You know, I've read read and seen so much about it. When when you when it happened, I guess it's hard it's hard to 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 see history being made when it's when it's being made. Was there any like hints that it was well, like no, this think, massive I think, thing? I, I, was... I think it's like when, when, at the very start of Star Wars. You know, you know the scene is like uh, you see this sort of like ship getting yep. drawn in, and it was just like you're thinking. Fucking hell, man! That's a spaceship. You know, like it's so it's built. It's that. It's, and I think you know, like when it comes to sort of like uh, movies and cinema, it's about believability for me. And it's like when you're sitting there looking at it and you're thinking, "Yep, that's a spaceship." I mean, like, so you can you're not even having to spit suspend reality. It's like you're you're actually just accepting that these are like star destroyers can exist, yep. even though you the, the the well, you know, like years later, you know that this is just like a innovative like. Um, movie making technological breakthrough that makes sort of like models seem like they're like supersized or whatever you know i mean it's like if you go back to that i mean reasonably recently in scotland there was a harry hewson exhibition which i didn't actually get to see but like that whole thing about like you know uh skeletons and oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know like um you know like uh, jason and the argonauts yep. stuff that i mean that, again when you watch when you see that as a kid on telly you're just like skeletons they're fighting skeletons with spears this is, how do they do that i mean like i think mean, as an artist you're sort of like uh, I, i'm interested in like how are they how do they make that you know and that goes right up to now there's so much cgi in movies but like uh, I've, I've got friends that i went to art school that studied painting with that went into that you know like in its in its infancy you know and and they, they they've, they've worked on the you know the the Lord of the Rings oh, nice. films and stuff like that, and uh, you know, and and it's that sort of again, it's just all technological advances. You know, green screens and mm -hmm. CGI. You know, like and and and, and that there's it's funny when you're watching a movie, even now, like you can like uh, I mean, watching that Star Wars uh, thing that dropped like literally on Wednesday, 
you know, like there's scenes where they're, where they're, where they're walking through these sort of like ancient temples and these far off planets. And you can see it's just all like painted scenery, mm-hmm. just like it was in like uh, the, you know, like the sort of the classic sort of like, you know, like epic, uh, you know, like a Roman films of, yeah. of you know, like, you know, like uh, Dickie Burton films and stuff like that, you know, like the, it's the same, you know, they're, part of it's massive sort of technological advances and part of it's like uh, actual scene painters. I know folk who were scene painters, Nice, you know, like for theatre and film and, and also sort of folk who were like uh, digital painters for like uh, the, you know, these sort of like uh, movies where you're watching like, you know, massive battle scenes between orcs and elves and stuff like that, you know. So it comes down to folk actually sort of painting either digitally or with a brush on a giant sort of like screen drop back, backdrop, you know. So, Interesting, um, yeah. That, I mean, these, these so these, uh, the, uh, in terms of sort of early early memories, you know, like Star Wars, certainly, just because of the sort of believability of this sort of sci-fi, sort of like, you know, kind of, it certainly blows your mind as a kid, but also like, uh, I mean, Bond was so sort of like, uh, it was such a sort of cultural yeah. event every time a Bond movie dropped. And I, I mean, I came in with uh Roger Moore, so I, I, I'm, a, I'm a total Roger. I mean, everyone's like, oh, you're Scottish, you must love Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Roger Moore guy. I'm a Roger Moore guy. And I like, uh, right up until it gets so ridiculous with yep. Octopussy and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, a, like, I'm a total Roger Moore I'm guy. I'm a Roger Moore guy. I, uh, I, I struggle to understand. So on on Twitter, definitely, there's lots of, lots of very loud, younger Bond fans who grew up during the Pierce Brosnan years. And uh, I, I really struggle because those films are just really like lame and well, Golden is good, but the the rest of them are a bit wonky. I did, I, I, I had a great um, cinematic experience with Golden Eye, uh, which I could probably I, it must have been like uh, early nineties, ninety three, ninety four, something like that. Time was living in Edinburgh, and we went to see Golden Eye because Bond had been on hiatus for such yep. a long time. And when Golden Eye came out with Brosnan. Um, my wife and I went to see it at the big cinema on Lothian Road and the place was absolutely jam-packed on a Friday night, absolutely rammed. And there's a scene at the start when the plane goes off the end of a mm-hmm. precipice and disappears from view. And when it, and he's he's skydiving into it, but you don't know what happens because but it's just the start of the film. And then it just sort of like it roars up. He's got in and roars up. And when it roared up back into view, Everyone in the cinema stood up and went, yeah. <laughs> and it was Love like, it. So collective kind of like everyone was in this. Everyone was yeah, you don't, great, really, you don't really get that in cinemas anymore. I remember going to see Rocky Five, which was the only original Rocky film I saw in the cinema, but it was a school trip. And I remember like at the end when... I don't, is that the one with uh, it's like the street, Tommy Morris? Yeah, thing? street fighting one. Oh, you're a big boxing fan. He was, he was so, a yeah. real fighter. He was a, yes, real, he was a yes. real heavyweight boxer, yeah. yeah. And I remember near the end, there was a bit where, you know, Rocky's not supposed to fight because he's got a brain uh, condition. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you know, he, he has to start fighting this guy at the end. And everyone in the whole cinema was going, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. It was fantastic. Better than the uh, film. Rocky, Rocky three was my uh, first cinematic rocky experience nice and 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 the love was born of course like like i said that was that was my entry point but like you know then you go back and you watch rocky one and then you understand that actually this is this isn't just a sort of like glitzy 80s boxing movie this has got history and 
Sylvester Stallone won Oscars. Rocky won is Rocky ones. Let me see. It's not on my top five list here, but you didn't ask me for a top five. But it is in my um, it is in one of my lists. Yeah, I like my... I like the second one the best. I think that's the the one that's that's uh, that's that's like. I think, I think if you look at the two, I think Rocky one and two. If you look at them as a sort of yeah. like you know like a a great movie and a sequel as one sort of like passage of sort of like storytelling. Yeah, I think they're excellent. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rocky. I mean, I do like Rocky, like Ron, as a sort of like standalone movie. It's like, you know, it, 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 and I can understand why it was so successful and propelled him to such sort of like such a sort of elevated position within, yeah. the, within the industry or whatever. I mean, it really is a. But I, I, I think I think people need to watch Rocky. So this Rocky one again. It's it, it, it's, it's 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 quite it's quite a really melancholy sort of serious movie, yeah. you know. And, and 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 and, and it's a real sort of Philly story, you know. And it's yeah. kind of like he's uh, just a bum, you know. And I I, I really I, I love Rocky the, the the first one. And I think I haven't well, I haven't watched Rocky two for a long time, but so so I think I'm maybe, maybe overdue a wee rewatch there. Yeah, definitely. nice. So Star Wars, Spy Who Loved Me. Were those the types of films that you were into when you were growing up? The big budget Hollywood yes, stuff? Yes, um, action movies, uh, the Arnie films, uh, nice. Terminator, Conan movies, um, the Rocky films, I've got that down here in terms of like uh, films that I was into. The, the Rocky movies, just because, you know, like they, they would come along, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, so, um, yeah, just sort of, I, I mean, kind of made for cinema you know mm. i mean th th there's a lot now that's not made for cinema i mean i think you see that with this sort of like the in terms of like uh, the way that streaming's changed things and 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 changed the idea of a sort of like you know an, i mean like an hour and a half long film was 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 a, it's like it's like you know like the 42 minute long piece of vinyl yep, yep. that was the sort of standard length of movie or or, or 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 audio experience but that's changed now i think like all accept that you know, like watching like uh, Breaking Bad or, or or like the Fargo series, are are, are are like there's they take the best of cinema and the best of TV and mash mm. them together, and you can I mean like I mean like who doesn't like to binge like four episodes or something till three in the morning? Yeah, I, yeah, we do. You know, like it's it's, it's good. You know, I mean, um, it, so 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 that you know I can see that you know like looking at like just looking like that looking at that sort of like. Uh, objectively from the outside you know you can see how things have evolved you know like sometimes when you think is this just a standalone movie or am i going to get like you know like a, a binge a binge yeah. out of this you know i mean it's 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 a you know that's that, that, that that's something and, and that's something that you look at as somebody who you know who, who who did go and see like you you know you go and see a bond movie or a star wars movie or it's an hour and a half long and you come out and you're like you're completely fulfilled by that Whereas now I'm not so sure you could be like you need you need more you know there's you can the audience needs more needs more backstory needs more this needs more and I think that's what like uh, the Star Wars CDs is yeah. are doing they're sort of like just filling in blanks whatever what, what, you know what you know whether it's good bad or indifferent doesn't matter it's, my it's problem more and more and more. my problem is I'm so compulsive I can't stop watching something even if I I'm not enjoying it. Because I want to say what. what well, I, have to, I have to watch a movie from start to finish, yeah. it, even if it's shit. I mean, like I mean, like something like uh, the Irishman. Oh yeah. You know, the Scorsese, legendary director. I do love a lot of Scorsese movies. I'm a huge Scorsese fan. I love 
um, you know, like I love uh, Goodfellas and stuff like that. You know, I mean, really, like, massively. You know, I've watched them like ten times. The Irishman, man, I was trying. I was just poking my eyes out with them. I just, I found, I just, maybe I just didn't get it. I just, I mean, here you had these sort of like absolute titans of yeah. acting and directing, and I just found it. I just, I mean, like I. I mean, that's just mean. If it's a stinker, if it's a stinker, I still have to watch it to the end, yeah. till the credits roll. You know, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a sort of like, you know, like, just flog yourself with it, you know. But, As a measure of how long and boring the Irishman was, I went to see it at the cinema before it landed on Netflix, and the guy behind me in the row behind me fell asleep and was snoring near the end. Yeah. So. Ah <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm not. I, I can't. I can't imagine watching it in a wonder. I mean, it took me about it took me about a week to get yeah. through it. I just thought, oh, this is turgid. But I mean, again, like maybe, I'm, maybe I, I, sometimes I think maybe I was missing something, and maybe, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy to sort of like, uh, like, like see something not like it, and then somebody say, no, no, no. I mean, like, what was the other one? Uh, was the um, the Blade Runner reboot? Mm. I just found that I struggled with that. You know, I, I mean, I think Blade Runner in itself, the, the original movie was so. so so almost perfect, you know, like in terms of like it being like sort of like adult sci-fi, yeah, and not like a sort of pew pew pew, you know, yeah. and, and like, like posing lots of sort of like philosophical questions, like which are really pertinent to now with AI and all the rest of it. And then I, so I was like, I, I, and you know, like you know, it's Harrison Ford again, a titan of of of, of Hollywood, and I I struggled with the re, the, the reboot one a few years ago. I just sort of like I just. I just thought it actually. I thought I thought it detracted from the sort of like the the brilliance of the first film yeah. a wee bit. That was just me personal. Stuart Buchanan, do you have a favourite movie genre? Um, no specific genre, but I do like sci-fi and westerns on mm. the big screen. Mm -hmm. A big screen western. I mean, I think again, I think these are these are films that are like made for. And so I loved when uh, I loved Unforgiven when it came out because oh, it yeah. was like going to see a sort of like uh, this is a western being made for now. Yeah. And again, I think I mean as a as a sort of young guy growing up, I mean you're sort of shaped by that all, all, that the whole style of like you know like you know, cowboy boots with spurs clinking and you know like uh, this you know waistcoats and gun belts. Bandanas. Yeah. I just think, yeah. Do you have a favourite Western? Um, I can I do like the old ones. Mm -hmm. I do, I, and I've rewatched a lot of the old ones. You know, like, uh, uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name specific ones. I, I just, I just, I mean, I think again, it's like the genre. I, can, I watch any Western. Yeah. If it, you know, like because of the genre, you know, like, and you know, like it's like you know, you know, your John who's kind of like. Uh, sweeping landscapes that sort of like monument valley i mean like you, these these are the things you yeah. want to see you know it didn't matter if they're sort of like cowboys shooting cowboys or cowboys shooting indians or whatever sort of like you know you take the sort of historical aspect of sort of, or the genocidal aspect of, of it i mean like i mean i think there's been a few good i think there's been a, a lot of good recent sort of like movies made in it you know like kind of address the sort of like uh readdress you know repaint re, 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 re the genre if you like but like i think you still need the you know you still need these sort of like scenes of horses and guys shooting yeah i just watched i just saw shane for the first time not too long ago and i just loved it oh yeah yeah that's it alan ladd jack palance 
Jack Palance. There you go. And I mean, I, how many films just Palance? Yeah. <laughs> I think I mean, it, that's... Go on. I mean, it's funny because, like, when you look at the... I mean, because we can come to uh, Tarantino when we come mm. to it, but, like, uh, when you've got, like, of um, but, but that, that film, like, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I mean, like, that's really about guys like Palance and stuff yep. like that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, like, these sort of, like, Rip Torn. I mean, <laughs> that's the best name in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Max Power, Rip Torn. <laughs> I reckon uh, Shane is the film that De Niro and Scorsese are referencing in Taxi Driver where he, where he does the, are you talking to me? Line in the mirror. Yeah. Because there's, there's, okay. there's a scene where Shane goes into the bar where all like the bad guys are, uh, and he does that, he does that line and it's, I reckon that's what it is. You know, the guy says something to him and he turns around and says, are you talking to me? And uh, I think that's what he's, uh, he's referencing, Travis. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I think, it's, it's like it's like all art references things that have gone before it, mm. and um, yep. movies are more different. And it's funny when you sort of like, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I pick up on that. You know, like if I'm if I'm alert enough, you know, like at times you you're watching something, you're just going, oh, that's a clip. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Tip yeah. of the hat to that and whatnot. You know, I mean, I like. Uh, I mean, there was something that I could, something recently I watched, and uh, there was a tip of the hat. Do you know that scene in Goodfellas? Where they go back to Joe Pisky's mother's house, oh, yeah. and they put the guy in the boot, and she's and, and he's just stuck him with a knife and all the rest yep. of it, and she's and she's making them dinner and all the rest of it, and they're all having a laugh because mm. she brings out this picture. I I watched something recently, and it was a reference. It might even have been like The Simpsons or something like that, you know. And it was just like, ah, that's so really clever, or um, Rick and Morty or something like that. Yeah, I quite I've... like all these sort of like modern, you know, because it's just it's just art referencing art, and it's like. Yep. That happens in, uh, in um, you know, like uh, you know, like painters reference other painters all, all the time, you know, yep. and, 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 and uh, whether it's a, and out respectfully, so you know what I mean, like yep. oh, yeah, yeah. Sci-fi was the other one you mentioned. Favorite sci-fi? Well, just the, I mean, Star Wars universe. I mean, like I'm, I'm I was um, in terms of like. Um, I mean, like I, I mean, as as a kid growing up, I was a huge uh, Spider-Man and fan. Uh, comic book, that was my favorite comic book, and so I like. But I was, I was, I was kind of late to the. Uh, I was late to the Marvel universe, but I, I have, I have watched all on DVD and and and, uh, and, and streamed it, and uh, and I've enjoyed it. You know, I think, and again, I mean, they're they're sci-fi, but they're also sort of like kids movies and their sort of big budget and all the rest of it but like yeah. you know but uh, i think they're um you know i think i might mean, like the, i like the batman movies and again i think that's to do with sort of like uh, reading comic books growing mm. up i mean the other ones are like uh i mean like i mean i mean uh, you're a few years younger than me but like i mean like we, I, I grew up like on a like you'd go on holiday and we'd buy like these commando books these commando comics do you remember them no they were, they were sort of like short Oh, you yeah. remember them? No, I remember they comics were, that they size. Were short, yeah, not like comic book size. Yeah, they were yeah. short, and they had the sort of they had the SAS dagger in the back of them. But like, they were just they were just comics, just like with with a like a sort of like single war story in each one, and they were brilliant. I mean, they really influenced me as an artist, and uh, I think like they were, you know, like these sort of every sort of like drawn still in them was like very cinema cinematographic, and uh, you know they had real good drama in them as well. So like um, I like I mean I do like I mean I love a good 
I think it was well, re- reasonably recently. I kind of like got really into watching um, a lot of sort of like old sort of like war movies, mm-hmm. which I really like. I really like Second World War movies, First World War movies, Vietnam War movies, and stuff like that. And I think it's just in, in as much as that I'm such a I'm a really anti-war person, and I think a lot of these films are quite good at uh, showing how the, the futility and the horror of it all. And I, 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 you know, especially sort of like the more recent ones, like uh, but Dunkirk, nineteen seventeen, all the rest of it. Uh, I, 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 All Quiet in the Western Front, mm. absolutely terrific, mm-hmm. blew my mind. I mean, it's just really. I, I mean, it just showed you that this has nothing to do with like uh, what country is fighting, who the baddies are. This yep. is about. This is about like uh, people being sent to their death in their yeah. droves, and and and, uh, and this really happened in Europe. You know, a hundred years ago. Just, just the sheer utter futility of yep. it, you know. Like I've always said, like uh, the First World War was a class war. It's, it's about the, it's about the ruling classes committing the working classes to their death, mm-hmm. and their millions. And uh, it didn't matter if they were German working class kids or British working class kids. They were said, you "Need to go and fight for the king." And when we blow this whistle, you've got to run towards this. And you're just thinking, who, who, who thought this one out? You know, like, uh, so I think these films were really good. I thought All Quiet in the Western Front was absolutely brilliant. I mean, it, just because it was like, this is what the Germans said, oh, it's no different from the British side. I we're just going to send all these poor bastards to their yeah. death. So yeah. I think there was a lot of sort of like, uh, I was really glad that that was sort of like so well received because I thought it was a really powerful film. As as was like, uh, I mean, it took me, I mean, I mean, I only watched, I, I got, as I say, I got into, I went into a glut of watching these films. It's like uh, the Battle of the Bulge and, um, all Quiet in the Western Front and uh, Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. All these things that kind of like, kind of like, you know, when they come out of the cinema, you know, you think, I think, I know that's going to be a great film, but I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, because where we live, quite far away from the cinema, well, it's, it's just like a half hour up into town or whatever, young kids. It, it, it got out of the habit of going to the cinema, but when, before we moved here, we, we, we would live in the city, like uh, yeah, I mean, in in that inventor that you sent me, like, uh, to have a favourite film house. I mean, like when I was a student, the GFT was like about a hundred yards from the art school. Mm-hmm. Went to see Reservoir Dogs when it came out. There was Lovely. this. It was brilliant. You know, there was this sort of like um, guerrilla marketing campaign. There was just these posters going up with guys in suits saying yep. "Mr. White, Mr. Pink." No explanation. Yeah, You're yeah. thinking, oh, I, it's a really strong visual image. And you go, well, what's that? Mm. And then it was at right, Reservoir Dogs. And nobody heard of Tarantino. It was just like, it's going to be this thing happening. It's at the film theatre, which is like 100 yards from the art school. And we just piled in and it was just like, yeah, yeah, this is brilliant, man. And it was like a rock and roll show. It was like a, it was an absolute event. You is, know? is that the National Film Theatre in, in Scotland? Is that Scotland's big... No, it was the, it was the Glasgow Film Theatre, which is just basically the art house. Right. The art gotcha. house cinema in Glasgow. Yeah. So it's like small, it's independent, and they do like... Uh, I, I remember when I was in my... I remember after I graduated from art school in my early 20s, I was on the dole, and I, you know, I had no, no money, no prospects. So I just try, just try to claw my way out of like uh, the doldrums, and um, they did this. Uh, they did a Bogart season, mm. and they just said if you buy a season ticket for like, if you were on the dole, you could buy one for like a fiver, 
And you could just go and watch Bogart films all day for like a week. Lovely. And it was just, you know what I mean? That was... I just saw like everything, you know, like all of it, yeah. all the Bogart films, <laughs> all of them for a bit of, yeah. And, and again, I mean, that was like, that'd have been like early nineties, just skin, but like living it up in a way, you know what I mean? Just go in, watch a Bogart, watch two Bogart movies back to back and then go home and then go back the next day and watch another two, you know? Great. I love, I love, I do love the old black and white films. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, and again, that's purely from an aesthetic point of view. I mean, like they're they're so beautifully shot and lit and acted, and you know, like there's no there's no special effects other than maybe the car, ah uh, yeah, the car yeah, journeys yeah. like that. But like, uh, I mean, no Black Mike movies. I mean, like, I mean, I'll I'll I'll, I'll watch them with my kids, like on D- old DVDs or whatever. And say, oh, this is a great. Just like you did when, like, when I was a kid, my dad would say, "Oh, this is a great movie," and you just sit and say, "I'll take that as gold, Dad," and I'll sit there mm. and we'll watch this and go, "Aye, that was excellent, Dad." But you know, whatever it was, like I remember him saying, "Right, there's some Marx Brothers coming on the TV." You're like, "What's that?" And you're going, "Oh, this is hilarious, son." You watch it and you go, "Do you know what that, that was hilarious?" <laughs> well, that was what we'd go. The Saturday matinees, they would have like bloody um, a Laurel and Hardy. They'd and... have things like that Laurel and Hardy film. Yeah. You know, like, and, and they, you would just you'd come out of the place like in stitches, you yeah. know what I mean? It's just yeah. really, ridiculously funny. I mean, Harold Lloyd. Yep. Like just crazy things like that. I mean, like, I mean, I think I remember coming in from school and Harold Lloyd used to be on the telly at like four o'clock or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just nuts. This is, what is this? Black and white, sort of like vaudevillian stuff, but it was actually brilliant, you know? What's up? This is Michael Rappaport, and I am the host of the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. I personally would like you to all know that we are joining forces with iHeartRadio. We'll be talking about life, sports, music, film, and everything in between. Here are some of the fun we have with the world's most disruptive podcast. Charlemagne the God. What's up, my brother? Michael Rappaport, what's happening? I got a special, special, special guest. I'm going to gush over him first. I'm in here with my man, Big Ron Perlman. Damn. One of a kind. Until they can do better. Ellen Pompeo. We got the great Wanda Sykes. Baritone stylings of my man, Omar Epps. Iron Mike Tyson. It's Iron Mike and White Mike on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Listen to the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I Am Rappaport Podcast. I have to ask you about Thin Lizzy. So you're a big Lizzy fan? Yeah, massive, massive. Just, uh, I don't know, I, I, it's a band I got into when I started buying records as a teenager and um, sort of started off as a sort of like teenage sort of metalhead, which I still am. Um, you know, I still buy like heavy metal records, still go and see heavy metal shows. But like uh, as a sort of 12, 13 year old, early 80s, you're sort of like buying Iron Maiden, Motorhead, and, and you're just trying to follow, you know, like and it was back then, everything's totally tribal. You know, you're not allowed to be into the jam if you're into metal. Mm. It's just, you, you know, they're, they're your, it's, it's tribal, you know. So if you're, you're, you're a rocker, you go, you go to these, I, I would go into town and buy, uh, go to the record shops, sold sell second-hand records that were like reasonably recently new records mm. and uh, 
and you go through the racks and just be like rock stuff, and you go, ah, oh, Thin Lizzy. Have you heard of Thin Lizzy? I want to buy this Jailbreak. You know, I think I've worn out about three copies of Jailbreak. Yeah. I think I've worn out about three copies of Bad Reputation. Um, and uh, I don't know. I think again, it was that sort of whole. It's a whole package. You know, you've got this artwork. You know, gatefold sleeves with sort of cutouts. And yeah. You're thinking this is good, and then and then you play the music. And you're thinking this isn't heavy metal, right? It's kind of more classic rock, mm-hmm. but like, uh, oh, the guitarist Scottish. He went to the same school as my mum and all oh, really? that. You like that, Robbo? Oh, this is yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, he was actually in my mum's. He was at the same school at the same time as my mum's youngest sister and stuff like that. You know, lived near from where I grew up in Glasgow. So I mean, everyone always likes to claim like you know. I, I mean, like I, I, I mean, I met him once when he played a solo show in, in, in a club in Glasgow. I don't know. I think I mean Finlay. So what's not to love about them? It's this this sort of like uh, they're 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 totally they're they're totally not heavy metal. They've got this real soft side to them mm. and sort of poetic lyrics and yeah. romantic lyrics, like sort of like Irish romantic epics and actual love songs that actually are really quite lovely, which you know, like by and large, you don't hear in Iron Maiden or yeah 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 Motorhead or again bands that I love, but like I think. I think as I, I think as I grew older, I grew, I got more and more like uh, I kind of got it more and more, you know, the, the, the melodic sense mm-hmm. and the, you know like that sort of. Uh, not really anyone else ever sounds like, and I think like um, I think I was about just uh, I think I was about fifteen, sixteen when Phil died, and uh, and I kind of by then I was I thought oh you know like I I kind of felt that you know like. Eurus, my new musical hero, now passed away at a sort of terribly early age. And I think it just sort of grew from that, you know, like uh, I never got to see him live, but like uh, which is one of these ones you're like, uh, mm. got to see, I went to see Iron Maiden when I was 14 years old and Lizzie were playing about three months later. My mum went, nah, you saw one recently, mm. nah. And then I got another chance to see him when he was, I mean, after Lizzie broke up, he played a couple of club shows in Glasgow. And I remember thinking, I'm like 17 or 18, I'm thinking, no, I was, oh, no 50, yeah, I was just too young, too young to get into the clubs, you know, I was 15, 16, like, you know, it's just like, and then, then he passed away and that was it. You missed your chance to see the, the legend. And, and But like, I, I, I don't know, I mean, I think, when it, I mean, I gain as much pleasure listening to Lizzie now as I did when I was back, you know, yeah, I can still, I can still sort of like get really deep into it, you know. I mean, really, yeah. um, it's still, you know, like you're driving along in the car and the iPod will throw up a deep cut and you know, hairs in the back yeah, of your neck yeah. will go up and stuff like that. You know, it's like I think, I mean, there's, there's there's only a few acts do that for you. You know, like you really sort of connect with them and whatnot. And, and then, and then when you know, like when I get into record collecting, I, I sort of like. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, mean, I got into record collecting as a teenager, but like, uh, I, for a, then for a while it became there. Were, there was one Lizzie record that eluded me for years, which was uh, "Vagabonds of the Western World," which mm-hmm. was third album, I think, second or third album. And um, and and the, the, what bothered me about it was I'd always used to see it when I was like looking for records when I was a teenager. Yeah. It was like you couldn't give it away for a pound yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, and. Uh, I remember everywhere. So I made a sort of like, I'd got all the other ones. I got everything I wanted. But this one had eluded me for years. And then I used to go around, you know, we were in Ireland. I'd 
I go to record shops and looking for it. If we're down in London and looking for it, looking for it. this is before the internet. Mm-hmm. Way before. So, so like, uh, and I think, I mean, like, I mean, the young folk these days, you know, they don't know how easy they just like, ah, bum, yep. bum. Too oh, easy. It it's a fiver. Fiver with three quid postage, bang, let's just buy it, you know. And I remember going into this, we'd lived in Edinburgh at the time, and I used to go into, in Edinburgh, I used to have tons of second-hand record shops, and I used to go in and say, looking for this Thin Lizzy record, it's like this J.R. Hartley thing, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really fishing. I said, I'm looking for this Thin Lizzy record, Vagabonds of this world, they said, if it comes in, would you give me a phone? And I'm, honestly, so like, I'm in the studio one day, and this, uh, we'd actually moved back to Glasgow, like a couple of months before, but I still had a studio in Edinburgh. My wife still worked in Edinburgh, so we were literally commuting. It's only an hour, mm-hmm. which is, but it was a hassle, but we were still doing it. And I was in the studio this day, and I must have left this a note at this shop, like with the studio number. This phone goes in the corridor. It's a pay phone. I've answered the phone, and I said, hello, and he said, uh, uh, it's a guy, Stuart, looking for a vagabond in the rest of the world. And I'm like, what? What? Uh, he said, yeah, I've got ones come in. He come up and have a look at it. I said, aye, okay. And I literally ran, I ran from the studio to <laughs> three kilometres to this shop or more. And I tried to sort of like compose myself before I went in. Anyway, yep. it's in all right condition. I'll give you, a, I'll give you it for a fiver. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And that's the one I've got. That's one I've, that's one I'm still playing. Into, you know? So you've got, you have this sort of like, you sweated for these records. You sort of, you're more invested in them than just sort of yep. like, Oh yeah, I'll just buy that off the internet or a quick internet look or whatever. You yeah, know. it's not as fun, is it these days? Yeah, one of my. I mean, I mean, just, I mean like a, yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's it isn't it isn't you know? I mean, it it, it takes that sort of like uh, the odyssey out of it, you know. I mean, you can find things after a short look. Yeah. Get them. Um, I got I got a love for Finlay from my dad. One of my dad's favorite anecdotes is that in the late nineties he was in some at some working man's club or something like that, and some woman came over to him, one of his friends, and said, "Oh, Pete, Pete, the lead singer of Finlay, he's next door in the member section or whatever." So my dad went to have a look and came back and said, "Well, I know it's not the lead singer of Finlay because uh, that guy's white in there and and Phil Lynott's black." And he's also been dead for like five years or whatever, whatever however long it was at the time. And it, it ended up being Darren Wharton, the the keyboard player, who's from Oldham, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is where I'm from, and that's probably why he was there. He um, he he joined Lizzie when he was like 18 years old, mm. and really sort of rounded out their sound. And he's in he's on their last three or four studio records, yep. and he made a massive contribution. Mm. And uh, I think he found up his own sort of like. Uh, melodic rock band called the Dare, which I thought was quite a good name for a band called yep. fronted up by a guy called Darren. It was the yep. first speech. Yep. So like uh, and I think he's still still going about, you know. Um and uh yeah no I mean like he's I mean I mean I love that. I do love all that. I mean like I mean obviously I went to see whatever incarnation of Lizzie I could after Phil died, obviously and yep. uh, big I I and and they did quite a you know, they did morph into the, the Black Star Riders, which I which I thought was the right thing to do if they wanted to, you know, like if you, if you wanted to sort of like, you know, like, but, but really it was it, it, the only, by then it was only just like Scott Gorham, which, you're, you're, you know, it's tenuous at best to call yourself Lizzie if you've got like one yeah. guitarist that used to be in the band. That said, I did like, um, I mean, Brian Downey, the drummer, he's such a wonderful drummer. Um, and he fronts up his own, basically his own tribute band. Nice. Uh, or, or fronts up, his, he's the 
but at the back, fronts up from the back is on tribute band, and, and they play like live and dangerous. But like, I went to see them, and you know, like, I, I mean, I loved it. I was in, I mean, I was just a yeah. small club in, in Glasgow, just Brian yeah. Downey, with sort of like some lookalike guys in front yeah. of him playing Thin Lizzy, no perfect. I, it was beautiful. It's the closest I was ever going to get, you know. And uh, I, I, um, I even managed to shake his hand as he went past. I thought, oh, oh, yes, lovely, classic, classic. I love it. So I do love my Lizzie. Yeah, I mean, they, and that's like I think I passed it on to the kids as well. They love it too, you know, like dancing in the moonlight. So it's on their Spotify playlists. And nice. That, you know, I'm thinking. Do you have a favourite actor? If I was to name one, it would be Burt Lancaster. Oh, nice! Because of I like lo- local kind of hero, like, I like these old. I like these old. Uh, no, not from before that. I like yep. his. Um, I like his sort of like. I mean, obviously, the films that he made uh, in the sixties and seventies. I'd have been too young to see until till later. But like, I just like. I think he's got that kind. Of, yeah, I just got that sort of like gravitas. Mm. Uh, I, I like that sort of like. Mm-hmm old school massive Hollywood star type thing. You know, I yep. like if if it wasn't Bert, it would be Clint. Yep. I'm big Clint Eastwood fan. I think uh, in my teens and twenties I would have, if you'd asked me that in my teens and twenties I'd just have said Clint Eastwood hands down. But like I kinda like morphed into Bert like through the through the Westerns and stuff like that. You know, I mean as much as like uh, I like uh, I mean like uh, Clint for like the westerns and the Dirty Harry movies, they're sort of like you know like top top billing for me. But like uh, I don't know, like I just like uh, I, I think Bert's one of these guys is like he's he's the same guy in every role, isn't yeah. he? He's just like uh, he's just like sort of he's just slightly he's just re- I, I just like their I just really nuanced acting. I think you know what I mean like it's not like a, these aren't like method actors trying to get into sort of like lose weight to get into character or anything yeah, yeah, put yeah. On me. they're just like they're just like big guys like yeah I, I i like that kind of just actors really you know i like i like big Bert, bert's my guy like uh, so Fav- if i was to if i was to say one it would be Bert. favorite Bert film oh too many oh, too too many to mention um a local hero probably mm-hmm. i mean like it was just a really a cameo in that but yeah. like uh uh i did one what was the what was i watched uh I forget the names of the, some of the westerns. There's there's so many westerns that he's in. Like you know what I mean. Like uh, he was in one. He's in a great one that I watched recently. And I can't remember what it is. When they're trying to when they trying to get the woman back from the Mexican guy, and then she actually wants to stay with the Mexican guy. Can't remember what one that is. Hmm. But I watched that recently. It's, it's an absolute absolute stonker. But uh, yeah, I can remember the name of it. <laughs> and do you have a favourite director? I was I thought about that and. Um, I think probably Coen Brothers for oh, the amount lovely. of sort of like great movies of theirs that I went to the cinema to see. So that, and, and again, that's probably more about like uh, seeing movies at the cinema. But yep. like uh, again, I think you, you would tend to go. I mean, like that. I mean, that that was one that would. If it was a Coen Brothers movie, you're going to see it because it's a Coen Brothers yeah, movie, yeah. not like a not like a what is the movie about or who's the star mm. in it. So they were the stars in it, you know. Yeah. Um, so you know, I mean, like, uh, yeah, they, I mean, like, there's as a sort of a hallmark of quality 
Yeah, Coen Brothers, you know. I just saw yeah. uh, Blood Simple and Raising Arizona on the big screen, which is absolutely fantastic. So, uh, yeah, this, so this, 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 this uh, uh, is this the Avondale or something like that? Yes, if you're... Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood. Is that is that is that, is that, uh, is that like an art house film, like the film theater I was describing to you? Not yeah. Like a big... But it, multiplex or whatever like you know yeah but it's privately owned and they probably don't have as much money as as like the big art house cinemas in in cities it's a bit like uh it's not in the middle of nowhere but it's a bit out, outside of the city and it's just owned by i mean just to see these films at the i mean that's the thing i mean like uh there's i mean there's films and there's seen films at the cinema and uh you know i mean blood simple is just it's such an early mm. coen brothers movie but it's like it has all the hallmarks yep. of everything, you know, like so good. It follows, you know, the, the, it, it, so like in terms of sort of like movie DNA, you know, like referencing the, the name of the podcast, the, yep. the, uh, the, 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 that something like Blood Simple and Raising Arizona are, you know, like if you take them and then their DNA is all the way through everything that comes after, you know. Yeah. Do you have a favorite and, Cohen? And, and, I, and I think that's, and, and so like, yeah, so Coen Brothers for me, yeah. I would say Coen Brothers. Do you have a favourite Coen, my... Coen Brothers film? Fargo, probably. Yeah. Yeah, and certainly the TV series. I don't know. I mean, they must have helmed them as well. I mean, I thought the TV series that, uh, that, that, that bore the Fargo name, I actually thought they were some of the best television I'd yeah. ever seen, ever. Maybe uh, yeah, series two was probably... That's yeah, the uh, 70s one, isn't it? I think. Yeah, with yeah. The... Uh, and and how the, the story's all yeah. the narrative runs right through the lot yeah. of them. But yeah. that that seventies one or the one that was set in the seventies, I mean like the, the I mean just everything, cinematography, the acting, the the, the the script, everything was just it was just so on point. But then again I think it, 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 it all does come from the original movie which i thought was like uh, you know everything you know that sort of, there's something quirky about it you know like the funny sort of like canadian accent or yeah up, up, you know north 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 northern territories or american territories accent it was a um, yeah fargo i think fargo maybe you know and season five of fargo is coming in november excellent mm. to netflix uh, i don't think i don't think the other ones have been on netflix have they i don't think the first three were and then they dropped off, and then four came out right. on something else. Something else. And I, I and, and I think it may, may even have come out on Channel Four, but I couldn't be bothered with the watching it week by week. Yeah, I, yeah. I needed to, by Just, then. I needed yeah. to binge it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like it's weird, weird. So in the news, how, how you become conditioned by yeah. that, you know. New season: Juno Temple, John Hamm, and Jennifer Jason Lee. So long as the narrative still, I, I didn't actually see series four, but series is one, two, three. I really like, even like the one with uh, Ewan McGregor in it. I thought it was excellent as well. Yeah, yeah. nice. Because it's it kind of dark. It was really dark. Yeah, so like, you know, I like my Coen Brothers movies, you know. Fantastic answer. Love it. Do you have excellent. a favourite soundtrack score? I do. And I've got the vinyl of it, and it's Betty Blue. Oh, nice. And that was, a. Uh, that was, a. Uh, it came out when we were at art school, and it was just like, Typical Glasgow film theatre. If you were an art student, you, didn't, you had to see that. It, yep. was, it was, it was, it was, it was ubiquitous at the time. It was like you know, she was. I mean, there here was a French movie that was like uh, almost mainstream in the UK. I, almost, I mean, I can't imagine another one that's, that, that had that sort of impact. 
yeah, that was a sort of. I mean, maybe that's maybe it was more to do with being at art school and everyone was into it. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone was going to see it again. The film theater was like a hundred yards away, and the soundtrack. I could, yeah, I can. I can remember every note of it. You know? I know you're a big soundtrack guy. I am, although but, I, uh, I, I'm ashamed to say I've not seen Betty Blue. Oh, it's good. Oh, you like it. What's the soundtrack? Fresh, is it a score or is it just uh, songs? It's it's a score. Yeah, nice. But it's uh, it's very um, it's very distinctive. It's jazzy. It's very French, it's like Galois. Oh, yeah. Red wine. It's bohemian. It's very. Um, it, it, and uh, it used to play in used to, the, the bar that I met my my wife in, working in, um, we both worked in the same bar, we used to play it like as a soundtrack. To, you know, it's very, so you're in a, you're trying to get a cafe vibe, bar cafe vibe, and that would be the, that would be playing in the background. So you, the, sort of the notes have seeped into your, Subconsciousness, you know. Nice. It's, it's, it's a score. It's, it's um, but it's very distinctive. Um, it's just plays like a jazz album, I think. You mm-hmm. know, it's, I, I mean, they're different. I mean, there's different. There's different songs on it. It's not just one piece of music. There's different passages of music on it, but played by different, you know, like musicians probably. But like, yep. um, it's uh, it's very distinctive. Jazzy, accessible, not unaccessible jazz. Hey guys, you're checking out Podzilla, a bi-weekly podcast where we dive into each and every Godzilla film and watch through them all chronologically. And not just every Godzilla film, but any film that might be Godzilla adjacent or tie into the franchise in some weird or wonderful way, no matter how much of a stretch it may be to get there. Listen to us discuss each kaiju flick and even join in on the discussion by following and watching along with us. Anyway, I think that's pretty much it. I'm Jasher Drake. And I'm Micah Drake. And you're listening to Podzilla. Tell me about Vanessa Redgrave. Ah, that was uh, 1997, at the very same point when we were moving, my wife and I were moving from... Glasgow back to Edinburgh, uh, from Edinburgh, we're moving, we're from Glasgow, we'd been living in Edinburgh for four years, and we're in the process of moving back to Glasgow, and when we still had this, uh, at the same time when I found that, um, when, I, when I got notification of that uh, Thin Lizzy record, oh, yeah. almost exactly the same time, <laughs> we're in that, we're in this sort of like a limbo of like having Franny, my wife was Franny was still working in uh, Edinburgh, and I still had this studio. This only this was only for a couple of months. Then we sort of like managed to sort of like move everything back to Glasgow, you know, our, our professional lives included. And so, um, at, at that same point, my the somebody tapped the studio door in Edinburgh and said, "I'm going to I'm putting I'm putting together." Uh, a, a group of artists to go. Uh, I want to put a group of artists to go to this former Soviet Republic of Georgia, Ooh. where where the where the the capital city Tbilisi were going to host an arts festival based on the Edinburgh Festival. Wow! And he said, uh, "I thought it was a wind up." He said, "All you have to do is turn up at Edinburgh Airport you, with your passport. You'll get your visa." 
you'll get spending money, and all you have to do is bring like some small works of art with you. And there's a we're, we're, there's one plane, chartered plane, and it's going to have like and on this plane there was like Paco Pina, the foremost flamenco guitarist, mm-hmm. several sort of like Edinburgh-based sort of like Scottish bands, and then there was almost bolted on to the end of it was as this, this sort of group of like maybe half a dozen artists to do a sort of visual art, present some kind of visual arts from Scotland type thing. And it was, the guy was just sort of like saying, I've been given some money. I've got to get this together in a really short space of time. So off we went. Vanessa Redgrave was on the plane with the, oh, oh no, I think she met, anyway, I arrived at this airport. I didn't even know where Georgia was. I had to look it up on the map. I thought it was a wind up. He said, we're going to fly to Stansted and get a flight from Stansted to Tbilisi. And I, we got to Stansted and I was thinking, still thinking, well, if worse comes to worse, we'll have a weekend a weekend in London, like it's going to be. And then uh, we arrive in uh, Tbilisi and we get given a wad of sort of like, sort of like um, expenses money. It wasn't like, I mean, for me, being a skint artist, it was enough to sort of like have a good time for a week. Yeah. And uh, and there was Vanessa Redgrave. She was like, uh, and we just, uh, she was part of it. And uh, everyone who was there, uh, kind of like, we all kind of like, bonded and had a great time it was a i mean georgia was this country coming out of a, a sort of breakup of the soviet union there'd mm-hmm. been a bit of a civil war you know bloodshed and it, it was just a really it was it was like being in a place at a really sort of like exciting time because it was it was peaceful but it was sort of like on edge yeah and you know like there was you know you could see the pop marks of bullet holes in the theater walls outside you know and things like that you know there'd been a There'd been real um, civil strife, but they they were determined to become a sort of independent country. And still are, and they're still under the, you know, they're, you know like uh, they're still in a, they're still in Putin's uh, crosshairs. You know, yeah, like yeah. they don't they don't want them to become European. They want them to be remain some kind of both. It's weird, weird dynamics. But like uh, it was a really exciting place to go. It was kind of like it was kind of on edge. It was you didn't know what was going to happen. It was like mm. the Wild West. And there was Vanessa Redgrave and I just sort of like part of the same thing. And she was this sort of like huge, I mean, she's a huge star. Yeah, yeah. Sort of acting dynasty, you know. And she was, I mean, this is, I guess I've got this nice picture of me and her like going to this official sort of like launch ceremony. And I said, can I get a photo, you know? And she's like, but this was before, this is before mobile phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is before like, I've got the camera and I'm just pressing yeah. click. And it's, it's a great one of these photo. Ones uh, you have to sort of like take it to the chemist when you go home if you remember to get it developed and stuff like that. And there's all these funny photos in it, and like, I mean, it was hilarious. Just like, a, so I think she was the she was the marquee name, and it was 1997. And I think this festival still goes on. It's called the Georgian International Film Gift. It's called Georgian International Film and TV Festival, but it's ba- it was based on the Edinburgh Festival. Which has got all these other sort of like satellite festivals around it. And yeah, but that, I mean, like I, you know, you know, you know, like as if I mean, I know you've got some autographs of uh, I, 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 and attend all these sort of like uh, movie things. Like, but if I meet if I met a famous actor once and had my photo taken of him, then they're my close personal showbiz friend yeah, for all course. time, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. You know, like you know, so like I'm, 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 I'm that, that that's what I want to drop on social media every now and then. Speaking of actors... Something's got to be done. We can't go on like this. 
I'm a trained wow. actor reduced to the status of a bum. That's it. Yeah, he's, a, yeah, he's great. He's great, isn't he? He's like, he's great. I mean, they're just so... Uh, it, it, I mean, that's... I mean, if you ask me what my favourite movies were, that's in, that's in the top five. There's a, and, and, and it's in the top five for a number of reasons. Not more, you know, like, it's a lot to do with the... I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a really strange movie, isn't it? I mean, like, uh, it's... Uh, it's a really sad movie. Mm. It's really melancholy. Yep. The whole thing. It's kind of like, uh, and uh, I never, never tire of watching it. And I could watch. I, I don't know. I mean, I've watched it countless times. And I think that's a mark of you. If, if, if when people say what your favorite movies, who's your favorite actress? Like, what are the movies that you could watch? Like, I mean, I could watch that. I could watch that every week. Yeah, I would never tire of watching it. And um, it's. I mean, like it's. I mean, it's insanely quotable. Every mm-hmm. line. It's unbelievable. Every, every, yeah. every frame. I mean, like it's not. It's not just like there's a, there's a few great lines in that movie. Every line's yep. a great line. Yeah. And crazy. it's like, it's. It, it, I mean, it's you know, it's, it's a considerable film. Um, and I, I mean, it's, I think it's everything about it. I mean, it's like when the guy took it to, uh, the guy took it to George Harrison and said, "I've got a script for a movie. We're looking for funding." And George, George Harrison. George Harrison, it's like, it's like, the George Harrison, it's just like, yeah, I'll fund it, bang. So check, so here's a check for like something like five million pounds, which when it was made was like a, like a gargantuan sort of like gimme. Yeah. And yeah, but I mean, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure I know, I, I'm, I'm sure they got it. He's probably made it back in DVD sales already. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, I can't, I can't actually, I can't actually remember when it, when it dropped. I certainly didn't see it in the cinema. It was one of these things that's sort of like more of an underground thing that sort of like um, sort of like became a cult movie. I mean, that's that's that certainly sort of like um, sort of like qualifies that in definition of a cult movie. Yeah. Um, and I know some folk that say, "You know, I've never seen it," and they go, "Well, enjoy it when you do." Yeah, <laughs> I, so much to- I find it very hard to describe to people who haven't seen it. Without it sounding, I mean, it's, 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 it's a very British movie. Yeah, I mean, English movie. I mean, it, it's it, and it's. I mean, it was made in the eighties, but it describes something that you know. It's only describing something from twenty years earlier. But the, but the thing I like about, I mean, like you know, like, I mean, like London. It's still like London's still London. It's still like the bombed out post-war London. Mm. You know, like when they're you see the, driving off the wrecking balls, just sort of like just sort of like they're just finishing off what the Luftwaffe couldn't. You know yep. and. And here are these guys that are just like, uh, I mean, like, just they're completely, I mean, they're completely debauched. Their life's just like a disaster. But they're, but they're, <laughs> no, I mean, like, I love it. I mean, I could go away and watch it after this yeah. and just sort of like, I've been, I've been tears by the end of it, you know? Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. It's very melancholy, though. And, but I think it made, um, I mean, like, I mean, he's, I mean, I mean, if you look at, if it comes, down to straight comes down to acting. I mean, right, Richard E. Grant's like uh, famously uh, teetotal, and he made that movie sober. You know, I mean, he's not a drunk guy. You know, like he's just a, he's just a very good actor. I mean, like because yep. like he, I mean, he looks he looks he's just this wild eyed sort of like way Blood, you look at him, like yeah. two day bender, two week bender rather. Like you no, know I mean, like he looks like that continually through it. But uh, no, it's it's, it's kind of lovely melancholy, very British film, and it's. And if if that's the way you described it to people, they'd go, 
nah, you're all right. I'll yeah, pass yeah. on that. Yeah. Like, so you know what I mean? Yeah. But you're like, nah, you don't get you're missing out. Really. Yeah. And it's weird thing is like when you when you sort of like sort of like uh, gatekeep the, uh, the, the 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 Facebook page. I mean, like I I wonder if a lot of the people that are active on that really get it. You know, mm. I mean, like I know that the humor is black and the humor is British and it's. But like I'm thinking, and they're they're able to sort of like attach sort of like you know certain things and to a quote and put it up, and that's very much how the sort of the Facebook page works. But um, I think I mean like it's not it's not a homophobic movie, uh, but there's such a lot of sort of like homophobia you get through sort of like people yeah. trying to sort of like, and you think well no no. It's, there's this nuance, just what I'm trying to say. It's, yep. it's really sort of like, you know, I mean, like, and, and, and you're talking about, like, uh, homosexuality in the 60s was still probably then illegal. And uh, and I think they just sort of like, I think they just sort of like, in the movie, they really just sort of like crack on and and, and uh, deal with that, you know, like how sort of like, it's getting, in a way, it's like ahead of its time, but of its time, like of the time it's describing, you know. Um, no, it's a real, it's a, it's a, it's a peach of a movie that for me, real, yeah, top, top five for me. I'm top, very all time top five. I'm very embarrassed to say, but when I first watched it, which would have been late '90s, when a film society at university played it, and on my first watch of it, I didn't get any of the subtext around homosexuality. Like it just, I, I don't know. I was so innocent that it just went over my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when no, no, I think that's good. Not when Monty comes in the bedroom in the middle of the night, like I was like, "What the hell is happening?" <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's got the apron on. I mean, just it's outrageously funny. It's so funny. No, no, and I, 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 I don't know. I haven't watched it for uh, maybe six months or something mm. like that or more. But like, uh, yeah. So it's, I mean, again, it's just like what I mean. What, the, the, there's maybe only, I, I, you know, there, there's not so many films that you can, you can just watch again and again and yep. again and get again the same amount of pleasure from it, you know. Yeah, and that's one of them for me, definitely. I think I know the answer to this one because you might have already mentioned it. But do you have a favourite cinema? Well, there's the the GFT was is is one from growing up. But if there's a there, there was a we one we lived in Edinburgh for four years uh, in the mid nineties, and there's a film there's a cinema called the Dominion, mm. and it's 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 one of these it's a little family owned cinema, and that's the thing it's it's really small. I think it had two screens, and the two screens had about. Uh, they maybe had about 30 seats in each one, very comfortable sort of like reclining sort of like style armchairs. Yeah. I mean, like you probably get, I mean, like, but when you were in there, there's maybe only two rows of seats and this, this, uh, the, the, the screen was, the screen could have been like the screen at the biggest cinema you've ever been in because it was a small cinema. Yeah. Yeah. But like you were that close to the screen, the screen was huge. Uh, I mean, I guess my brother's got, my younger brother's probably got TVs in his house that look like that, but like uh, it, 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 it's a very, and, and it's still going. The Dominion in Edinburgh, still going, lovely, lovely wee cinema, still going, still the same family that run it. Nice, and uh, it's it, it's just a tiny little family business, you know, like, uh, but it's been there for 
well, I don't know what age it is. It's been there for a long time. It's a proper, proper cinema. And it's tiny. It's really nice. Yeah, Dominion in Edinburgh. I, I, apart from the GFT, which yep. I sort of like cut my teeth on, you know. Do you have a controversial movie opinion? I do, I do. I saw this question mm-hmm. and I expect you'll disagree with me, but I don't think Tarantino has made a good movie since Pulp Fiction. Mm. Yeah. I just, I'm, I was just like disappointment over disappointment with every subsequent release. I really... I, I do struggle with like maybe the last four or five that he's made, and I think there 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 are fantastic sequences in them, but I don't think the films themselves uh, fit together as nicely as the earlier ones. My favorite is Jackie Brown, but things like uh, Inglo- yeah, Jackie yeah. Brown's great. I did like Jackie Brown. Inglorious Bastards, I think he's like two or three fantastic sequences, but I just don't like the whole the whole thing. It's like hung on. The revisionist. Well, I think I think it just sort of. I mean, like, I, I agree with you. I mean, and that and that's my problem. I mean, like, I think Jackie Brown's perfect. Yeah, I do. I mean, maybe, maybe I would have should have included that instead of Pulp Fiction. Should have been up to Jackie Brown. Because I thought Jackie Brown was excellent, but like, and I did see that at the cinema. Um, but like, um, Inglorious Bastards, I, I, which I thoroughly enjoyed, and I thought at the time was a return to form. I mean, like, if a subsequent watch is sort of like, uh, it, it does, you know, like the idea that they're killing everyone in the cinema at the end of it. And, uh, just, and, and, you know, like, and the disappointment, I, I you know, ones that I had such high hopes for disappointed yeah. were like Django Unchained and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I was thinking, I buy the hype every time and then I, yeah, I yeah. dive in and I just go, ah, oh, the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so that's, that, that would be, my controversial because I think he's a real I mean he's a cinephile and he's a you know like, and he's all about classic Hollywood movies and classic sort of like uh, yeah I mean that's yeah I mean like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the film he was always meant to make you know I mean and then he's got the you know he's got the biggest lead actors in, in, in the world yep leading it up and all the rest of it but like again I just thought really this is again it was just like you know I mean again good, good, great in parts but like uh, I think they just sort of they could follow me a wee bit I don't know Anyway, that was my uh, mm. what that's my controversy. What don't you like in terms of movies? Horror. Ooh, I'm not a horror fan. I'm really, I find uh, I don't I don't like horror movies. I never have. I never have liked horror movies. And you know, from when I was like, you know, you know, just a teenager going around to friends' houses watching big daft DVDs of The Omen and stuff like that. I just I've, I kind of I, I, but I think more to more so like uh, the kind of certain types of horror. I just think it's just like as entertainment it's just like absolutely revolting kind of like torture porn and all yeah. that stuff i just I, oh i just think well, really i can't can't actually honestly believe people would sit and watch that so you They're you won't even it. watch horror these days God, very rarely i mean like i mean like i mean i wouldn't classify jaws as horror i think yeah, jaws yeah. is like one of the best movies ever made yeah. i think yeah. it's great movie spielberg it's great book books better than the film it's a great film. Um, you know, like special effects aside, I think the special effects are great. When you watch it, the first time I watched it, I remember when the head comes out the side of the boat, just to shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously all the sequels are rubbish, but I think the original movie is brilliant, I think. <laughs> Did you see that at the cinema when it came out? No, I don't think it. No, no, I didn't. I'd have been, I'd have been a bit young. You'd been five, I mean, like, yeah. It might, have been, it might have been like a... Like oh yeah, you're not eighteen or yeah. fifteen or something like that. Um, but it's a classic, classic movie. And it is. Love it. 
Um, and I love all the memes with the, the EC nowadays, like uh, with the mayor going, beaches are open uh, and yeah. everyone's having yeah, a great time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love yeah. that. It's fantastic. It's just like, it's how something like that seeps into popular like, culture. Even like uh, the contemporary culture, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, it's, it's just like, it's good, you know. But uh, not so horror, horror. I mean, like like the scream movies and stuff like that. They, they I just find them, I just find them horrible, too yeah. horrible to watch. I just, uh, I maybe just, I mean, I can watch a, I can watch a western and folks shooting each uh, or a, or a war movie where people are being, you know, like you know, shot and killed or blown up or whatever. But like these, I, but the horror movies, it's it's another level of kind of like they disturb me a wee bit, and I don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't see it as entertainment. I see it as sort of like a needless sort of like um, nastiness or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. And rom coms, not a big rom com. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. T- they're all right, but they're just very wishy washy, and they you know yeah, they're so forgetful. Yeah, they're all going to end up like. Oh. Yeah, I think the the last rom com that I really enjoyed, which was like it did. S- something different to what rom-coms usually do was the big sick. Have you seen that? It's probably mm-hmm. five or six years ago. Kamail mm-hmm. Nunjiani, I think he's called. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I really recommend that. It might be on Netflix. I'm not too sure, but big yeah, the, the big sick. Okay. Yeah. And it's based on a true story. Okay. In fact. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Stuart Buchanan. Very last question. What film is absolutely perfect in your eyes? Local hero, yeah. Local hero, and and not just because of sort of like sort of like geographical sort of closeness to it. It's, I just big Hollywood, everything. You know, there's, there's an ecological message there which is pertinent yep. to this day. Ah, oh, everything, man. Perfect. You watch it. You watch it every night. Love it. Absolutely love it. And and great, um, funny, heartwarming drama. Great. Did you Love see it. that at the cinema when it first came out? Do you know? I probably did. Yeah, yeah. I must have done. I. Yeah, yeah. I went to see. Yeah, I went to see it at the cinema. I, in Glasgow. So like. Uh, oh, it's eighty three. Yeah, so you would have been thirteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was pre pre VHS video in our house for sure. Like you know. Yeah. Yeah, I went to see local here in the cinema. Probably we probably went as a family to that. Right. As opposed to like. Um, I went to. I would have gone to see Rocky Three with the pals from school, you know, like a group yeah. of pals, feral teenagers. But um, lo- local hero would would have might have done that as an actual whole family. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, but I mean, it's one of these ones. It's just like uh, it, it's it stayed with you, and then and then we get, then occasionally would turn up on TV, and you go, oh, hey, oh this is lovely. Oh, we'll watch this on TV yeah. or whatever. And then and of course, like. Uh, bought the DVD a few years ago you know like in a I mean the funny thing is for I mean like and I did I mean I had to I've had to check myself now because like um, for a while there was a the, the, I mean I don't know what it's like in New Zealand but like the charity shops here the, the two things they couldn't give away CDs and they couldn't give away DVDs you go into any one of them roundabout in the you know small town where I live now you say oh I can't get rid of this stuff 10 for a pound hmm. you just go in I feel like bang, I've got about three copies of with me line. I'm thinking I can't leave this line yeah, yeah, for like yeah. ten pence. Ten pence. I yep. can give it to somebody who's not seen it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Or uh, you know, like in 
I mean, and and I, I, I bought. Uh, I think I bought. I, I replaced all the CDs that I ever bought that I've ruined through my own sort of like mis, uh, misuse of them with pristine copies. And then they were so cheap. I was buying the. I was just buying boxes to replace all my broken boxes. Yeah. Just buying CDs to use the boxes. So like, uh, I I did have to check myself. That I didn't start buying like you know like. Every movie I'd never I'd never seen <laughs> um, on on DVD because I would just end up giving them back to the charity shop, which I think I probably will end up doing anyway, you know. But like uh, I like to keep a sort of like uh, a core of like, and I've got like you know like, you go in and you be like you know fifty pence for like a Scorsese box set with yep. like you know five great Scorsese movies on it, you know, like absolute crackers or like a um, you know Rocky's one to four. 50p, you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to watch Rocky 2. I haven't watched that for a long time. but um, Lovely. I see, I did see it in my shelf tonight when I was having oh, yeah. a quick scan before the podcast. But And going back to Tarantino, yeah. that's Tarantino's favourite Rocky film. Rocky 2? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, no, I definitely do. Because uh, that's, that's the thing, like, uh, he doesn't win it in the first one. He do, yeah, he that's loses, right, yeah. But it begins everyone's respect. Which, which was based on Sylvester Stallone sitting in the cheap seats watching Muhammad Ali fight a guy called, I think, George Chuvalo, mm. who was also known as the Bayon Bleeder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a bit of a boxing buff. Yeah. And he just sort of like, this guy was just sort of like bleeding from cuts in his eyes and his nose and his mouth, but he wouldn't give up. And Rocky's just sitting there going, bing. Yeah. So that's. I'm going to go home and write it. So that's what. That, that's and, he what... Did, and, and, and the thing I loved about it was like he had it. He was touting this script, and they went, "Yeah, we want to make it." But and he went, "I'm playing the because he don't, he was an actor," mm. and he said, "I want to play the lead role." And they went, "No." Oh. Yeah. And they went, "Well, I'll, they said we'll give you two hundred grand for it, which would have been a lot of money for somebody back then, a, a lot of money." And he was like, "No, no, I'm not going to sell it. I'm going to get. I want to do it." And then the rest is history because he become like you know, he's become a. I mean, he's like the for the eighties, for the late seventies and the eighties, he's your. You know, read your sort of classic '60s guys like uh, Kirk Douglas and Charlton Heston yeah. and whatnot, who were just like, well, sort of like uh, you know, like the big guys, the Clint Eastwoods and whatnot. And yeah, you've got a, a lot of respect for Sylvester Stallone. Yep, yeah, I love him in uh, Copland. He's, Copland's great. He's so good great. In like, that. I think I went to see that in the cinema when it came yep, out. I did. And yeah. they said, uh, I remember this. I remember when they said, um, "Oh, you know, this is a." Uh, this is his. This is his best role since uh, since uh, you know the early Rocky movies or whatever, and um, and I, th- I think it was it's just it's just a classic sort of like uh, corrupt Jersey Italian American thing. It's just like as good as all the. It's like a, it's, it's it's a really I can't remember who's the director of that one. It's not Scorsese. Uh, it's like a Scorsese movie. Right? James Mangold. Right. Okay. So who who did just did the last uh, Indiana Jones film? Oh yeah, do you know I find the Indiana Jones films really stressful? Really? I loved them as a kid. I mean, I went to see like uh, the first ones at the cinema because you know that's what you did. He was this was Han Solo as uh, Indiana Jones, mm. you know, and uh, like a, he's a, he, again he's like a titan of sort of like leading male, you know. Yeah. But like when um, when I when I, when, I, when, they, when they come on TV and I see them now. And I was, there's this sort of like, you know, like, I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, this is really stressful. Yeah. Stressful. Yeah. <laughs> it's 
just too much drama. <laughs> but like, uh, anyway, but, uh, I, I, I mean, go back to Sylvester Stallone, like, uh, First Blood, top five movie yep. for me. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I mean, like, again, another one I could watch. I probably watched it about 150 times. And I could watch it. I could watch it. Always watch it. I just, I enjoy everything about it. Again, it's just, it's, it's this kind of melancholy movie. It's not a, I think I like melancholy. I don't know. But like, uh, First Blood, it's not just like, it, it, I mean, it's like everything that all the sequels were, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. it's, just, it's a good, it's a really good story. Yeah. It's that... post, post-Vietnam, sort of like outsider society and, and even in that scene at the end when he's sort of like breaking down i was kind of like well up watching yeah, yeah. it you know it's like, yeah it's so and, different and, to and the I sequels think, and the sequels it just gets silly and, and you can understand you know like it's the 80s and it's yeah budgets and all the rest so i did i remember reading a really interesting thing just uh i don't know last word or whatever like uh, uh, what's his name uh niall rogers really good book if you've not read his autobiography it's really interesting and at the point when he was like a, a massively successful musician with massive hits under his own band, a massively successful producer for dozens of other artists, so like basically as successful as a musician producer could be, mm-hmm. he got a call from Hollywood to do a, I don't know what the soundtrack was, but they said, you know, like you're the guy with all these hits, we want you to do a, a soundtrack to this movie produce the music for it, you know, and he went, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And he said, uh, what, whatever they were offering him dwarfed, dwarfed what he'd earned as a musician producer up until that point. Yeah. And he couldn't believe the, 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 the budgets that were involved. Yeah. And he said, this is, this is insane. He said, he went out to, he'd been based in New York and he went out to Los Angeles and he said, what do you want? And he said, well, I'll need this and I'll need that. And I'll need the net, the, this to, to, to for a studio, they basically just build him yeah. a studio. <laughs> studio is like, the best studio I'd ever worked. In. Yeah, the, the, the money, the money involved was just—it was like a big eighties production. The money that he, he earned from it was dwarfed what he earned as a musician. I mean, he's probably made more than that now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, interesting. This has been great. So thank you so much, and it's been so nice to speak to you. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was going to be difficult, with, but we just like. We did it. And I feel like I know you because even though we've never actually met. But. Yeah, nice. And I'll let you go because I have, I have kept you for far too long. That's fine, Johnny. That was been great. It's been lovely speaking to you. And, um, you know, keep on keeping on. Aerosmith. Yay. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks. And, uh, uh, grab a couple of hours, Kip, before your kids get up. I will do. Uh, <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Thanks. You take care. All right. Cheers, man. Bye. Bastards! You suffer! <laughs> I'll show the lot of you! I'm gonna be a star! Brilliant. Cheers, Johnny. A massive thank you to my guest, Stuart Buchanan. You can find Stuart's work in a number of galleries in the UK, and a Google search of his name will take you straight to them. Thanks also to James Van Ass, who wrote and performed the brilliant music, and to Willow Van Ass, who designed the amazing artwork and provided general podcast support. If you'd like to do me a massive favour, please drop me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This will help other people find the show.
You can contact My Movie DNA on Twitter at MyMovieDNA or email MyMovieDNA at gmail.com. Thank you.